0: Hello, and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners, and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James, and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, I'm joined by my mother, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Nikki V. Welcome back to the Empire Builders podcast. I know it's not many people that get invited back to do a second episode. Oh, I was, I was kind of quietly flattered. I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, I'm glutton for punishment, maybe for bringing you back. But actually, the theme of this episode is less about um, the previous episode. By the way, uh, was all about disc profiling and becoming a world class coach, which you know you can. If you're watching on YouTube, listening um, on the podcast, you can catch that previous episode. Um, it's way back near the start, I think, of the podcast, Jeff. Maybe in the show notes, you can put what episode that was. Um, so I talk a lot about attending Tony Robbins seminars at 12 years of age and people go, wow, like, how did that happen? Um, and I tell my version of the story. Yes. Today is your chance to tell your version of the story. We'll see if the two actually align and match.
1: Unlikely, because according to you, I don't have that great a memory.
0: Well, uh, you know, I don't like to say, but we, we actually had um, a bit of a, a, a debate with you the other day about was I 12 or was I 13 at the first Tony in seminar? You think 13, I think 12. It doesn't really matter. It was around that time. So um, how did you discover personal development and Tony Robbins in the first place?
1: Whoa. So, um, of course, I'll give you full permission, as I already have for the last 39 years, to interrupt me. Because...
0: Don't worry, I will. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll do the same. Um, yeah. yeah, how did you get okay. into Tony Robbins' okay. personal development
1: So, um, it is a long story, and it's about DISC as well, about personality styling, because, as you know, my background is, was corporate. Mm. so long long story short I'll go back as far as me and your dad
0: oh that is a long way back right
1: uh, when you were a very tiny uh little one I was telling you your son the other day about when you were two years old and we owned a snooker club in the middle of Birmingham me and your dad me and your dad broke up when you were I can never remember that either about four three and a half four and we'd always had a few challenges and um, had different needs in life and so we split up and I you may not know this is that because um again when I had you as a baby I had six weeks off have a baby and went straight back to work and I was selling advertising door you know like shop to shop and and Bob and I your dad we used to sell advertising and so I then we break up I'm like you know I've put a three and a half year old in a suitcase and on our way as it were, and I couldn't I didn't know what to do. So I actually went to the Birmingham Post and Evening Mail for an advertising job, but of course you know that was going to be a normal job and I was not used to that. I'd never really had much of a normal job. But and by the way, so most
0: most listeners can probably or viewers can probably relate to like you were you'd had. Um, a business with my dad running yes. a snooker club it's like so then to go this way 24 7
1: 365 days a year
0: yeah it was open all the time and now all of a sudden you go into like a normal job it's yeah. going to feel weird
1: right and apart from some part-time jobs i'd had when i was at college and stuff like that in hairdressing salons um swan national car Co- anyway you you can imagine um I go to get a normal job and I went for an interview and they quite like me and everything. And I saw my friend um, and she said, I saw an advert in the Birmingham Evening Mail last night for an area manager for snooker clubs. (laughs) And I went for the interview and um, 65 men, all from like brewery backgrounds, you can imagine pub backgrounds and everything, went to for the interview and, and I got it. And actually, a funny little thing, a funny little story, which is probably going to answer some of your other questions as well, is one of the reasons why I believe that I was very successful in the corporate world, even though my dad had never worked for a company, as you know, your your grandfather, Popper. Like was and again, very entrepreneurial. entrepreneurial. Very entrepreneurial. Yeah,
0: not not a like would not would not have survived a day in a um, normal job. Oh no,
1: he was like a nightmare. Um <laughs> but, but anyway, um he taught me a lot, and I never forget the thing that he taught me, is I'm going for this in, I'm going for the second interview. We're going to Paddyham in Burnley where Riley Snooker head office was. And for some reason, I think your dad had got the car or something, or I, I can't remember now. But anyway, Daddy you know, your, your granddad took me, and we were driving the motorway. and He just asked me one great question. He said, um, Are you worried about anything? And I said, um, Actually, truthfully, I'm just a bit worried that they're going to say to me, You know, you're a single mom of a four year old, three and a half year old boy. Um, how are you going to handle that with like a full time job, you know, traveling all over the, the region as it was at that time? I said, I don't know what I'm going to say. He said, Right, I'll tell you exactly what to say. <laughs> As you know, he would have done. He said, they ask you whatever question you say, you look them straight in the eye and you say, fortunately, that's no problem. <laughs> and then just, as we would say, STFU, shut the fuck up. And and I did it. They asked me that question and I did it and got the job. You know, And, and so, you see...
0: And by the way, that that sums up pop, my granddad's maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he would pretend... That nothing was a problem. There was some. No, it like, was a problem,
1: problem in his mind.
0: But but in reality, to yeah. most people, like some of the problems he had in business financially, all of those things, he's like, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so he created that reality for himself, which I think is yeah. amazing. Talented. And of course,
1: as you always say, while we're on the subject, um, you know, his beliefs about money yeah. have have structured, have, have created my life.
0: So how did you go from getting, yeah, the job so, snooker, getting a job with Riley Snooker to getting into Tony Robbins?
1: And I'm, 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 I got a lot of luck. You know, we, we, I was with this old-fashioned company. And then, like, all of a sudden, they get taken over. They throw out all the old people. And they say to me, what would you do with these 10 snooker clubs you've got in the Midlands, you know? Well, it's difficult to ask somebody like me or you or my dad an opinion on something and not expect, you know, because, as you know, so I gave it in full barrels, right? And so they said, well, there's a million quid, do it. So I had a great time.
0: And this is in Not the 80s.
1: eighty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I did it. And then we got taken over. Very long story short. And then I find myself doing something because we had to. Uh, this is in the 80s. They brought in a, a rule that said that all companies had to invest in their people. This is way before investments invested in people. This is the Wages Act which bought in the minimum wage and then you got to like look after your people. So I'm sitting around the boardroom table with a a load of guys, obviously I'm the only girl, and they go, you're a woman, do training, right? (laughs) So I, of course, I was not offended by that. So I go, yes, because I'm a woman, I somehow have got multitasking over you guys. I was a bit like that then. I'm I'm definitely retired from all that now, Um, but I was quite militant. Um, And um, so I did training, right? And eventually the one of the first people that ever walked into my room which we called sales development training then it became hr human resources um one of the first people that walked in was a lady called Anne benford from thomas international from the disc people and so she taught me the philosophy of understanding human psychology and i think that's my absolute answer to how do i get into personal development that thomas ray reed who was the owner of Thomas who must be in his 90s now if he's on the planet incredible man um he founded you know disc in this country kind of thing and taught me so much about human psychology so then I'm training a two-day course on disc mm-hmm. in our company for all new managers and we had like about 160 managers so we we're always getting to lots of turnover because we're nightclubs and bars and Snoop Club and um, a guy came to the front of the room at the end of the two days and he said I think you're going to like this and gave me some tapes audio tapes of Tony Robbins a guy called Steve Clark and um, I went thank you very much put them in the cupboard never thought about any more about it so then a few years later I have had a, 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 an operation and I met they said you need three months off work so it took 10 days and in that 10 days I listened to the audio.
0: What was it? Do you, what was it you think made you decide to do that in those ten days? Because you could have just read a book, you could have just watched TV, you could have done nothing, you could have been on the phone doing yeah, work. No, Why exactly. did you decide? What was the tipping? Point? That
1: is a great question. I think what the disc, the different personality styles, the human psychology of that. Because don't forget, that's about fears. It's about. Uh, different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking. I think that got me interested, more interested in why do people do what they do, mm. which is, yeah. and of course, I must have read something on the back of the leaflet that said, "Oh, you know, he's success formulas and all that sort of thing." And so I listened to it, and then then I saw him again, and I said, "Fantastic!" You know, the, the guy talks like 100 words an hour, which is great because I do too. And and like he went, "Oh, he's coming to Birmingham." So this is now 1995, and he came and did a, a, a power within at, at Birmingham. And I took Steve Clark, the guy who t- taught me the thing, Ali, Auntie Ali, who, yeah. who, 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 who lives in um, Australia, and Conrad, who was the bonkers manager of the London nightclubs, who, let's just say, he indulged in everything you can imagine that to indulge in. Took him with me, don't know how I ever managed to get him. And he came out vegan, no alcohol, (laughs) no drugs, engaged to his girlfriend. I mean, like, and he's never really got back, to be honest. Um, so we all the four of us, but I was the first person at the back of the room with my card booking for to go to America to learn more. Because you know, people ask me, you know, well, what did you get from that first? The the, the the most amazing thing that happened to me, which is why, fast forward a bit, when I went to the first event with Robbins and I'm at the back of the room buying what was then Mastery University, which is three events, because, because I'm the kind of person I am, but I suppose it's because of Daddy's influence mm. and because I was doing well in my job, and it was one of the things that I always went, like, I was never frightened of losing my job, ever. I always knew that I could always get a job somewhere. I always knew that I would have the confidence to do that. And therefore, I went to, like, my boss at the time and just went, right, I'm doing this thing. That means I'm going to have, like, six weeks off next year. You know, like, I've probably got four weeks holiday or five weeks holiday, and I'll take the other two, you know. And he basically said to me, look, you're 99%. It's like, you, it, you're like 99% work ethic is like 150% of anybody else's. And he said, look, you have as much time as you like because every time you come back, you teach other people stuff because I was yeah. still already doing training and co- what we would now call coaching. I didn't even call coaching. Then. Yeah. And so at the first event, um, I had a massive breakthrough because <laughs> I am not going to tell you this story because um, it is too long, but my second husband
0: (laughs) Um, by the way we're on three and counting no
1: don't you dare I am three and I'm done I'm done Um, we had an interesting you know I take full responsibility 100% for the fact that I was not as very good at being a wife at the time and because I was too busy you know in corporate world and all that and when we split up he actually went to the church at Scientology Mm. now I don't know um, How much people know about the Shirts and Scientology, but anyway, it's 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 got some bad press, but it's also got some personal development in it. Yeah. Like Robin Hubbard, who wrote the a lot of the books. His intention was just to have people experiencing. He quote unquote wasn't trying to make it into any sort of sect or anything like that. But anyway, blah blah. Um, so I went to him with him, so that he persuaded me to go with him. He went back twice and then disappeared, and I kept going, right? And I quite liked it because it was all like, you know, human psychology stuff, and we're doing all this thing where you hold the thing and you have to tell the truth and everything. I'm like, I'm fully made up. I love it, right? And I did my first pure, there I am, by this time, running the nightclub train. So let's say participating in, you know, alcohol and fine dining at quite a high rate as you will probably remember and um, I then go for a purification thing at the Church of Scientology which I actually loved you know to go like cold turkey like Tony and I do now in Thailand you know where we don't eat anything for 15 days or something and just drink juice and stuff anyway so I did it and they liked me and they said you could do this you could become a trainer so I said Okay, well, great. Well, then the first thing you've got to do is we need you to go for six months to um, Los Angeles. I said, Oh, no, I'll, I can't. I said, Because my son is now, I'm losing count of where I am now. But like, so I said, I can't, you know. Um, and um, anyway, this you'll find interesting. They got some special offers on. So they're not, they're definitely not stupid when it comes to sales. Oh, that's right. right? And they said, If you buy all these training courses, which you can go and do in America, I'm fully into that. I've already done loads with Robins, you know. And, um, oh, had I by then? Oh, no, I can't remember my timing now. I really? don't anyway, No. Okay. So um, I was fully up to going to America. You now I've always wanted to go and live in America, never quite made it yet. Um, anyway. And so they said, if you buy all these training courses, we'll do your massive discount. And I, to this day, swear that they said, and if you, if you change your mind, you can just have your money back. So, I then, because they've told me I really need to go for six months, and you're in the middle of I think GCSEs, or or could have been miles. So mile this
0: miles. by this is where it gets really interesting. No, this I'm this was off. this was pre right, I'm gonna, Oh no, it's pre robin! So you, you stop talking for a second, I'm gonna tell this story. Um Jab actually asked for some old photos of me. Um I don't even know what he's asking for, not like, why, but that's probably <laughs> going to show up. It's probably going to show up soon, somewhere on social media. Um, so he, found, he wanted some old photos. So Claire, my assistant, contacted my mum saying, send some photos, give Nick some photos, ring in, he'll pass them to, to yeah. Jeff. So I did. And on the back of the photos, she's helpfully written some notes of, like, what year it was, how old I was. There's one photo, right, and it said um, – It said 2001 when I would have been like 19, and it said like 13 years of age. And then I look look at it, I look at it, and it's neither 2001 nor my 13 on this photo. It is so inaccurate. So, look, the timelines on this episode are going to be fluid fluid at best. But
1: let's just stick with it. I think you're about 11. Oh, I'm going to just you, agree yes, to right the left. purpose of So yeah. I think I said, no, I'm not going. So they said, I said, actually, no. If you're saying I really need to do the war, and I, somehow something was really not right. Mm. So I said, right, I'll have my money. They said, well, you can't. You obviously need more therapy. Remember my old strap well,
0: we, line? I'm sure we already knew that.
1: And my old strap line was, don't mm, with me because you'll lose. Yeah. Right. So I got very intense with them, no, got nowhere. Got no way whatsoever. I've literally, and we we're talking about now, whatever year that is when you were about eleven.
0: Yeah, call it call it early nineties. Just yeah. call early nineties yeah, to save the base. Let's be
1: fluid. Yes, right. And um, and literally, uh, they got fifteen grand of my money. I mean, it's not you know, it wasn't
0: a small amount then. Uh, well, it's not a small amount now. But early nineties, fifteen grand—that's a lot. Of, that's, that's like
1: you could look probably like yes. 50, 60 grand. And obviously, I'd obviously got it, but then I'd got no money. And I'm going, this doesn't feel right. So I go to UPW. So we, we now know the year, uh, so it's 1995. So, um, and this is way after, I was with Simon, right? So um, so I go and he stands on the stage and he goes, we're going to do the um, success formula. And he says, "What? Well, everybody in the audience, you have to decide, what do I want? Give me something that you want. And I just wrote on my piece of paper, "I want my money back." <laughs> fifteen grand. Didn't I want my fifteen grand back. I thought, you know, I'll be, you know. Then he goes, take massive action. I'm going. I felt like I put my hand up and going. I have took so much fucking massive action. You would not believe. I was writing. I was ringing. I was going in. I was being a pain in the arse, right? And uh, nothing's working. So then he changed my life. Because the third part of the successful, of course, is if it's not working, change your approach. Well, first of all, notice what's working. If it's working, keep doing it. If it's not working, change your approach. And then he said, of course, he always knows what you're thinking. He goes, and if you don't know what to do, do the opposite. I thought, great, that's it. Did the rest of the weekend. Had a lovely weekend. Turn up at the Church of Scientology and I'm thinking, well, how do I do the opposite? Give them more money. Well, yeah. I thought... I have been intense, sworn at and shouted at and, you know, being very like, you can't do this to me. So I thought, what could I do? So I did the only thing available to me. I cried like a baby. (laughs) I behaved like, shall I say, a very emotional, crying kind of person. I'd had good practice because I'd been married to somebody who did a lot of that. Um, And I just... And within half an hour, I had a check for fifteen thousand. So, in the proverbial Tony Robbins words, this shit works. I thought. So, I have already signed up at the back of the room and um, to go to to, uh, to to do mastery. And I get. Well, Funny
0: enough, probably about similar investment. So it's interesting uh, yeah, how it works. Yeah, yeah. So well, you've it's, you've it's kind different. of Tony's taught you how do you get fifteen grand back? You've gone and got your fifteen grand yeah. back. You invested yeah. with Tony.
1: Well, it was nine 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 five dollars I yeah. mean, I've been on the table. Travel. I've been Plus on the... travel expenses. Oh, it's yes, of course, grand. 15 grand. Exactly. See, I didn't think about the travel expenses. So, yeah. um, anyway, um, so I go to Aspen, Colorado to do the first event, and I realized they they've got a kids' programme. Hmm. And I sat there, and I made two decisions then. Now, you know, it's interesting that you're sitting here now with the kind of success you've experienced in all areas of your life. So the one, the first decision was, I'm bringing Nick here. He's gonna be on the programme and I'm bringing him back twice this year. That's why I know, because we went back for Wealth Mastery, which was a six-day programme, and then Life Mastery, which was a nine-day programme, and you did the two there. And the other decision I made, because at that point, mom and dad, were living in not in a nice place. They were living in a little flat, which you might remember. Yes. Yeah. and we <laughs> we lived in it lived in regularly less,
0: in, less, in less, between less, marriages. Let's just leave that you, bit there. I
1: don't think that was necessary for you to bring that up to answer. But anyway, um, and I sat there and thought, I'm doing really well. I've also got another fifteen grand that I didn't think I'd get back. But anyway, I was doing really well, and one of my mentors said to me, you know just invest, you know, just invest, get a bigger house, invest in stuff, property, and at the time that was the thing to do. So instead of getting a nice place for you and me, I got a nice place and I had mum and dad live in us. And that was um, a big decision because that's now, you know, let's not go there with how many years ago it is, but it's a long time ago. And obviously mum's still with us. And um, She's
0: 95. 95,
1: 96 at Christmas and um yeah so I made those two decisions which were life-changing yeah um and so the thing that I remember the most but I'd be interested to ask you what do you remember the most the thing I remember the most was that you took you on the kids program to start with and that was like nothing else that I'd ever seen as to how they um trained you know coached were with kids Everything from it was all vegan,
0: mm.
1: carob chocolate cookies or whatever they were. Uh, vegan cooks from Maui. Do you remember the yeah. four vegan cooks? And and then um, you know people that were training you, coaching you, mentoring you, teaching you to the point that like I remember dropping you off at like seven o'clock in the morning and going back at three o'clock the next morning when Roberts had finished. And we will be walking back to the hotel room and you telling me, you know, all about it. And, of course, we met Matthew there, you know, who was one of the trainers who who, who just adored you and, and, like, just taught you about art and about music and just more stuff than you would have got in school, you know. 100%. But also lots of learnings that were Robin's learnings but delivered in a way that was valuable to you. And And, of course... One of the things which makes my heart sing when I think about it was when Tony and I, fast forward a long time, had our retreat in Austria where All right.
0: we, the confusion could be, this is not Tony Robbins we're referencing no, now. No. My mum's husband, he's called no. Tony V. Yes. So you got two Tony's.
1: Never been married to Tony Robbins.
0: Not yet, who knows? <laughs> could be number four.
1: <laughs> yeah. So no. Um, so Really, what I remember was that you learning stuff, but there was something that happened at the airport because I was thinking about it driving along. Because Claire gave me a bit of a, some, some, an idea of what we were doing today. Bit of an idea, knew nothing else. Um, is I remember being at the airport going home from Hawaii and realizing maybe what I was taught with Robbins, but maybe just realizing by being spending time with you and you're like 12, 13, well, of course we are. Guessing.
0: Um, well, I'm pretty sure I was 12 now because 95, I would have turned 13 at I the was end 90. of
1: 95. Oh, right, that was 96. Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> um, and I remember realizing I was a mom, which I know you know people are going to relate to. I was the one that didn't want you to have any pain in your life, so I didn't exactly wrap you in cotton wool but I'd have liked. But I wanted you to have the very best experience. All the time, not because I'd had a bad time, but actually because I'd had a great upbringing. And I wanted you to have that. And I wanted to make up for the fact that you didn't have your dad around and all that sort of thing. Um, but I realized that one of my biggest faults was trying to help you make decisions. And I could even remember the moment we're waiting for a plane in LA on the way back from Hawaii or something like that. And you have decided that you're going to start your own business with Michael. So
0: I'm 13 years of age, just my, my first was business venture. Was it dog walking? It was dog walking.
1: And I'm on the tip of my tongue going, right, so what we'll do is we'll get this done, we'll get a leaflet, we'll go this, we'll put something there. And I thought, no, I realised right then that I had not just a highly intelligent, incredible young man as my son, but someone who was wise way beyond their years always you always were but someone who had got a lot of wisdom and a lot of of, of you were smart and so i changed from being the mom that went what well, so here's the thing what we'll do nick like when you had a paper round and i used to take you yeah because i didn't want you going on your bike when it was dark right i actually said what do you think you need to do i remember it as if it's yesterday honestly mm-hmm. and you came out with this plan Where you've got strategic planning from, clearly you had it in your bones, anyway. So (laughs) I'm biased, clearly. Um, and you came out with this plan, and you and Michael then went and did that first business. And so, whatever they taught you about art, about music, about business, about people was, you know, for me, viking. So, the next thing that happened was obviously, I then did a lot more um uh, robins myself, but I always went back as crew. I always went back and therefore then when you got to um,
0: do you want me to go to this bit now? Do you go in there? What no. so well, I will say is, I don't think we should skim over it the first business we walked zero dogs we yes. actually walked that's zero that's dogs
1: I just said you were good at planning no,
0: but, well, and, but the point is you can have a, a plan but it doesn't necessarily guarantee success we walked zero dogs we put like Leaflets out and and put signs up all around the local neighborhood. Nobody phoned. We didn't follow up because I didn't know anything about sales and we walked zero dots. But that's not the point. The point is, at the time, you know, what it did, being in that environment, it gave me the inspiration that actually things like that were possible because there aren't many 12, 13, however old I was, kids (laughs) who decided to start businesses. And so I think what it did was it gave me that different way of thinking. It opened my mind up to possibilities and opportunities that maybe a lot of people wouldn't consider at that age, which I think is the advantage of being in that environment. And
1: do you know something else that I remember for those times? And sometimes, I think I've mentioned it to Nat at one point recently, where I said, do you know what, I remember, you know, bit, as I say, trying to, you know, put him in the cotton wool. but then you had this lovely friend that lived around the corner with a lovely family, weren't they? And I'd be off at work and you'd be around there or something. And I remember you coming home early, one you know, because you used to say, what time do I have to be back? From being out with your mates, yeah. and I'd say whatever time, and you'd go, "Can I go later?" And I go, "You know, don't even go there, right? <laughs> don't mess, don't, don't fuss with me." And I remember you coming home early and going, "I'm going, well, you know what's wrong?" He's going, "They were just, they were just being stupid," and like, I don't want anything to do with that. They were like throwing things at people's windows, and and like, what I love is that we're sitting here all these years later of indivisible amounts um, and you have on your wall at home the values that you are for you and that and the boys, and it says we don't do drama. And I believe that, especially as I obviously was an actress before I did everything else we've talked about, um, I can be quite dramatic. no. No. (laughs) You don't do drama, and yeah. and I think I don't know. Maybe that's your dad. Maybe you, you, I don't know. I but I you just never did drama. And I think that one of the things that I loved about you at that time was that you were you had that. You know, look, I'm sitting in your office now. It says we practice self awareness and humility. And biased as this may sound, you had that from a very early age. Yeah, and, and you and, were humble. That yeah,
0: yeah. Name. Thank you. And I, and I think um all of that, um, you know, part of the conversation here probably is going to be um, what shaped you, what shaped me, do you think? Um, and I by no means uh, think I'm perfect or I've got all the answers. But equally, um, I do believe that I had a massive advantage, um, you know, starting my first proper business in my kind of early 20s. Massive advantage was that I'd spent 10 years there or thereabouts yeah. in and around, these amazing people in incredible environments at Tony Robbins seminars in Hawaii, studying NLP, hypnosis, yeah. all of these things yeah. around incredible people. Um, and I think you know you are generally speaking, you're the products of, the, of your environment, the people you surround yourself with, yeah. you become. And that that certainly um, was
1: a big advantage for me. Yeah. And it's interesting because obviously I started then also mixing with more people who did personal development. Like we used to go to the Yes groups and, you know, the Robbins groups and everything. And we got lots of friends. And something that people find really difficult about personal development is sometimes you have to kind of let go Mm. or you don't have to do anything. But you, you, you sometimes find yourself being feeling slightly out of kilter with some of your older friends. Yeah. some of the old friends so like my, some of my school friends I kind of lost kind of contact with because they were more traditional yeah. 35 40 year old women um and I was flying about you yeah. know and, and, and going to America and doing walking on hot coals and jumping off poles and so um which brings me to something else I must remember to say um and so I think that that period was huge um for you my um uh personal development journey then went on um and and then of course we get to you being about 17 i think yeah. um when i you said i want to go to the, the, the you know as a, the adult version now i know some kids used to go earlier yeah. to the to the robin school one but you didn't you went to the kids camp and then at 17 and went there and, and even though I think we might have stayed in the house together or something, you were on your own, doing your own thing, meeting people. And um, and of course, because you loved it, um, I was the first one at the back of the room signing you up for the full year or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, did well, so actually. Just, but anyway, that's by the by. Um, and because you loved it and because I could see what it had done for me and Yes, I was successful before I did personal development. But I was successful because I knew how to manage people, make money, sell myself. But
0: how do you define success?
1: Well, exactly. And I think that... Because I remember... Oh, stress to hell.
0: I remember. So, you know, before I was 12 or 13 years of age and you got into attending release to Power with Tony Robbins and all that, You were successful in your career, but I'm going to put it to you that that didn't mean you were successful in all areas of life.
1: No, absolutely. Well, first of all, not in relationships because I I didn't give relationships any kind of um, importance because I was thinking, well, the only important thing is to, you know, get money and be safe and, and have what you want in life. But I think that the interesting thing is that that level of stress, because you are um, too driven to just to get money rather than purposeful or values-driven or whatever, which is obviously what you learn on personal development. I mean, the values exercise that I did and that you did, it designs your future. You're designing your future. And so I think that I realised that it wasn't for me. so what year were you 17 then? See, shows how bad I am at maths. Honestly, I never was good at
0: maths. Yeah, like 99.
1: Yes. So, and so even though I was, st- I, even though I'd learned so much, I was still very kind of, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to like make, you know, make a load of money. I've got to meet my budgets. I've got to meet my targets. And I was like very driven and we were very high on fire, you know, and and kind of like, so what happened for me which was really quite fabulous really was that we got taken over Mm. and um I was very fortunate that we got taken over I said to them look I can stay but you don't really want me to stay and I don't want to stay so they paid me a whole bunch of money to go which was fab and had the car for a year and all that kind of stuff which gave me the freedom to um go well now i just become a coach and work myself. Now, without going into detail on how that happened and then I did something else and then I did something else, um, I think from a personal development point of view, at that point now, um, I have found the benefit of service to others, mm-hmm. you know, selfless service, and giving my time to, to, to be there to support other people on their journey from asleep in a trance thinking that all life is just about you know school, job, marriage, house, retirement, die. to, to have them be for some every reason whether they're with Robbins or you know anybody who does personal development to help them to um to support them through those moments because It's not the easiest thing to go through, personal development. People think it's like training and it's all rah-rah and motivational. It's not that because it it really is about understanding the deepest fears within you, Mm -hmm. right? It's about realising what's been holding you back. It's about realising what you're carrying from your childhood. It's about realising what you're carrying from um, past significant emotional events. And once you get really clear about what, holding you back what's causing you to be stressed what's like you start to go well okay now i know all that what do i do yeah and that's where continuously developing being on that journey finding other people like i found brandon very different kind of person development more spiritual development more about more esoteric um really opened me up to go like i have the ability or the power to impact my life in so many different ways than success. And so I was lucky because then I was, you know, kind of semi made redundant. And so I came out of that business. And when I looked at it from the outside looking in, without sort of sounding too harsh, we're talking about, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll and a lot of violence and a lot of not good energy. And to be honest with you, that's how we made our money. So I was pleased to leave, really, once, yeah. we, once I left. And I'd also got to a point where the money wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was why, you know, we had quite a big house and I sold that and sort of bought a smaller one and, and kind of went, you know what, I just want to do more travelling, I want to do more personal development. And now, I'm now going to do coaching, you know. And I think that what I noticed with you was you did the same. So for, I remember the first one that we crewed together, we went crewed. So I think it was Cardiff, if I remember rightly. So you did like um, your your l- first Definitely l- l- and, l- yeah, OK, good. See, geography not that great either. But um, anyway.
0: It so was, so here's you a funny thing. thing. It you was Cardiff the,
1: with me though. I
0: didn't. It was the Wembley Conference <laughs> Centre, yeah. which is next door to the Hilton at Wembley. You can see it, but that's where you it's did next your door. First that's crew. where I did my first that's where I, I attended my first unleash the power oh, within. I know. And then the next year went back and crewed, oh, volunteer right. crewed. Yes. And we now I never even thought of this until we've had this conversation. We now run wow. Expert Empires and no word of a lie, it is next 50 door. yards. It is next door.
1: That's where
0: you did your first event and your first crew. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So There must be some reason yeah. for that, like some, some deep, kind of deep-rooted or deep-seated, yeah. unconscious reason why we've picked the Hilton at Wembley to be our home for experiments. That is unbelievable.
1: Yeah. That is unbelievable. unbelievable. And I've been there a few times. Um, because I was in nightclubs and because we sold so much alcohol, I was constantly going to Wembley to the football sure. and staying at the Hilton and everything. Amazing. Um, anyway, so actually, let me ask you a question. Um, how do you believe going, maybe not going as far back as the 12, 13 years age or the kids program, if you, but how do you believe that it, it affected you going to your first event and then going back as crewing? Because those are two very different experiences.
0: Hey, real quick. If you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate All the sales and marketing in my business deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft, recently rebranded, to KEEP, K-E-A-P, and what I've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable, even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey. So go and get a free demo. All you need to do is go to KEEP.com, that's K-E-A-P, KEEP.com forward slash Empire Builders. And by using that link, I've negotiated the best possible deal for empire builders subscribers so go to keep.com forward slash empire builders you get a free demo and when you go through that unique link it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber this podcast so let's get back to the show yeah i think i think the first event that i attended unleash the power within with tony robbins in london i was there as a 17 year old and whilst I think I was always quite intelligent and a fairly good judge of people and situations, was quite good at that, I wasn't that confident. Like, I wasn't that self-assured and confident. And so I think that was probably, as I went on my personal development journey, it was really the main um, area that I guess was um, required work for me was belief in myself loving myself, being confident in myself. That was probably what I worked on. Then Mm. the difference, um, and, you know, that was probably a a year or two journey, 17, 18 um, years of age, and then started working for the Tony Robbins group um, as a volunteer at Unleash the Power Within, um, which I think there was two things. One, learned very, very foundational and important skills around coaching and communicating with people they used to give amazing training around that Incredible. um and you were there you know, you didn't pay for it you were essentially volunteering your time in exchange for great training that was really valuable i think the second thing is over the next few years like i learned what it took to run a world-class event yes. and create a world-class experience mm-hmm. and and i think even now to this day that you, there is no. I could, I could try my best. I don't think I could teach anyone how to do it as well as I learned how to do it from being. I reckon we must have spent between the ages of me being twenty one to maybe twenty. Uh, sorry, seventeen to maybe twenty two. Mm-hmm. Five years. I reckon we spent a hundred days plus yeah. Yeah. in. Tony Robbins, seminars, workshops, conferences, events, and working on them, around them as well. And I go, that level of experience, you just can't get anywhere else. You can't put a price on it.
1: And actually, you're right. I've never even looked at it that way. Um, Is that not only are you... I always say when I used to, you know, with Master Coach and stuff, trainings, I used to say, look, there is nothing more valuable than having people in front of you going through stuff and like you're there for a week with two thousand people basically you've got more experience in that week than most coaches get in a lifetime for handling people who are in a difficult state and you've got to you know help them
0: so, well, and, uh, be- best example i think you're probably going to share this at some point um 9-11 oh no, actually, september 11th 2001
1: yeah. We are
0: in Hawaii yeah. at Tony Robbins' Life Mastery. You're um, one of the coaches. Yeah. You're the coach for the New York team. Manhattan. Half of the New yeah. York team have got businesses, family, et cetera, in New York. Some of them have lost businesses, lost family members, and you're coaching these people. I was there, I think, I was there as a volunteer crew member. Yes. So here's what's interesting now. And the team say this to me all the time. They go like we're at an event and something happens and you're so calm and you seem to know what to do. I'm like, we had people in our care and bear in mind, I was only like 18 years of age and we've got people in our care. You're coaching the New York team. I'm there with a couple of thousand people and like, we're trying to manage this. And I go, when you've experienced that at 18 years of age, 20 years later now, when nothing so like it happened at one of our events a few years yeah. ago now. Somebody's having like a seizure. a seizure or a fit in the audience.
1: Yeah, and it's you and I I'm
0: calm, I'm cool yeah. and calm because I'm going yeah. like this is nowhere near as extreme as what I've had to deal with in the past. So I've got yeah. references of how to operate yeah. and how to manage I my state and how happened. to communicate. When that
1: happened, you said to me, Mom, and I just went, Okay, you 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 deal with the hotel, deal with get you know and I said, I'll deal with the people who are trying to help who don't know what they're doing. Yeah, right. And obviously, I can be fairly intense with people at times. But the point is, that. when
0: you've dealt, when you've been in that. that environment, and you've been through, and you've experienced everything that there is to experience. And by the way, somebody having a seizure in the event, I've seen it twenty times before, of and been at close quarters and had to deal yeah. with it. So when it happens, and the team yeah. who haven't seen it before are freaking out, I'm not freaking out. Yeah,
1: yeah. so you experience. And and do you know what, something. It just might remind me because we had somebody have a seizure at one of our events, um, one of Tony and my events, and was something that I did without thinking about it was to go and lie on the floor with this person and hold them. And it reminds me of the training that we had to help people walk on fire because. So I always used to say to people, if you can help somebody do something when they are terrified. That level of certainty that you have to have, but that certainty with a whole load of love and understanding, if you can do that, you can basically handle anything. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of the training that we had is absolutely replaceable. You're talking about two, um, 9-11 as well. I remember, because you remember, like, talk about 2,000 people freaking out, 2,400 people freaking out because you've got the, all the crew and all the trainers and all yeah. the Everybody's freaking, right? And I remember what they did, which is genius. They took all the leadership, all the, all the coaches and all the crew into a room. And they said, you are not leaving this room until you can prove to one of the trainers that you're in a good enough state. And they kept us in that room. And I remember seeing people who were like very experienced people just absolutely going to pieces. And, and like, you know, I've got, I've had an experience with, with one of the people that's on his video where she was, her boyfriend was in the 100th floor, I don't know, if you know, that story. Yeah. And funny enough, the funny thing about that, and I do teach people what I did to help her deal with the, 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 the trauma, if you like, of having him leave a message to say, I'm gonna jump, you know. But the thing that was actually another thing was learning is when I saw her freaking out, I am stood there as, you know, not, not exactly a newbie, but I'm not that experienced. And a woman came up behind me called Karen O'Donnell, who's a dentist who has been around Tony Robbins. And she's there. She didn't, she didn't come and talk, look at me. She just went, and we watched this woman freaking out with all the team around her and everything. And she just quietly said in my ear, So, what are you going to do? And that was one of the things about Robbins is they would never go and deal with it for you. They'd train you how to go and deal with it. It was awesome. And she said, what are you going to do? And I went, I don't know. And she went, well, go and do that then. And just gently pushed me. And I mean, like, you cannot, you cannot buy that kind of experience. You cannot buy that kind of, you were like in it. And, and I also remember just going back to um, why I would recommend to people that they, keep on that journey
0: of personal development. It's not a one-and-done. No, That's the mistake not, people make. Absolutely not. I, I was on Rob Moore's podcast the other week, and we talked about this. I was like, the biggest mistake people make is that, well, or the, I think the thing that um, causes people to not get the results and the experience they want from their personal development journey is they believe wrongly that it's a one-and-done. They believe that they go to one seminar or read one book or take one course and that's it and that's not it that's just the start and if you want to if you want to continually improve and develop as a person you've got to continually invest the time and the money in doing so
1: and they sometimes think they're being sold to and so they don't buy it and all that sort of thing and it's a shame because if people aren't very good at explaining why they think that the you know like it's all about momentum it's all about repetition and all those sorts of things but yeah, it just all those experiences, all that learning how to handle people in the most difficult situations, but it reminds me about going back to when you were there as a as a as a youngster, as a 12, 13 year old, is I remember we did the well of course we did fireworks. but I don't sure whether you did fireworks at a very early age, I'm not sure they did. Um, but you we did this thing called jumping off a telegraph pole, you know. And we're both there. I'm 40, right? You're however old you are at the time, 12, 13. And I have decided, because I've done it twice, but I've done it the first time. So the first time I do my old pattern, so I'm a bit scared. Even though you've got little arse I think it's a bloody long way up and the wind's going and all that. So I've done my old pattern, which is to watch everybody else go and then go and do it. And did it, you know, okay. Um, So the second time, um i've decided i'm going first and i have you know gone up and gone i'll go first because the first time i'm asking the guy tell me exactly what you do when you do that and the guy said everybody asks that but the reason for telling that story is that then you are uh, 12 or 13 or whatever and you have actually you must have done it twice because the first time you i went to watch you because they came and got the parents and said your your child's going to do it now and you went near the end and you were like shaking like this, like really shaking and really like scared because it's a very, you know, this horrible thing. Yeah. And then the second time we went, I must have just told you, yeah, I decided to go first. So then they come into the room and they say, you know, Nick's team's doing that. So come over. So I've run all the way, because it was miles. remember, to, the, to the, the, the thing. And there's this crowd of kids and some of them were like, 16 weren't they like the, you
0: yeah, know yeah. You, you know there was even oh, like the 13 year olds were huge yeah, compared to me we've been to america like i don't know what they're the massive. feed them over there they're That just huge yeah. i feel like a, a midget when i go to america it's and
1: ridiculous. so i am i have got there i'm absolutely you know looking for you i can't find you anywhere i'm really about I'm nearly crying and then i'm, I'm like going through the crowd going where is he because i'm thinking he'd be frightened and there in the middle of this crowd of fifty kids, huge ones, is you with your little harness on. I'm just cry thinking about it. And I've gone, Nick, Nick, honey. And you looked up to me and I went, and I went, you're coming first. Well done! thinking, you know, like and he went, Well you did, mom. Yeah. He went, he went. I'm talking as if you're not here. Because oh, I can see him, your face now, and you went, you did. And I think i kind of sort of take that i think that there was a lot of things that i did which scared me where you then went and followed that which was great but the best experience of that was when you were 19 and i also came and watched you and you were still scared we were all scared right you know because it's scary because now it's 19 it's got competitiveness with all the other crew members some of which were a lot older than you some of the other runners weren't they and it's all you know, like, a laddie in okay. quite a laddie, right? And hes you've gone to do the the pole, and you've gone up, because you've always been very light, you've gone up the pole, and now you've got to go to the trapeze, because mm. now when, when you're little, you just jump off, or when you're a girl, you just jump off and you, you come down, and you've got to get to that trapeze. And the thing that you do as a trainer is you look up at somebody and you watch for them going from to, okay, I'm making the decision. You can see it in their eyes. And the first question that we asked as trainers when they came down is what made you make the decision to go? And so I'm watching you clearly. I'm watching you because you are you. And you went from like standing there and then you put your arms out like this. Somewhere I've got a photograph. I'll try and find it. You put your arms out and you let out this roar and then leapt and got the trapeze and came out. And I'm like in floods. Because I feel like then I saw the balance sheet there.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, because, the, and, and if I did ask you, I can't remember what you said, but if I did ask you, you might have said something like, I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it well. Because isn't one of your sayings something like you, you, you can you, you can't do everything? You, you can can't do anything, but you can't, can't do everything. everything. And the other thing you say I often hear you say is do what you do well. Like you talk about social media, don't you? And you can't be on everything. Do what you do and do it well. And so um, I think that personal development, like you said, you were saying about needing to get that confidence. I remember, like when you got to crew at 9-11, at uh, 2001 Life Mastery, you go in, there was 80 crew, and and Lauren Slocum has gone, you're first. Introduce yourself to all the, and these are people of my age, like some of the crew would be like businessmen, you know, in their 50s and all that. And you had to stand on a a small stage. And um, that's bringing me now to Discovery Camp,
0: well, but look, I mean, I think, by the way, we've got like... Got 10 ten, we've, got, we've, got, we've got 10 minutes, by the way. Right. Um, we've, uh, we've covered one question. Um, actually, we'll, we'll probably have a series. Yeah. Well, can we, we'll find a name for the series. Um, I, I think, actually, in amongst all of that, you just gave the best piece of parenting advice that you could ever give. So parents listening, parents watching, listen to what was just said. Um, and it was the piece... About I went first because you did. And, and if you think that was just about a story about a kid climbing up a telegraph pole and ju- jumping off, you've missed the point because the number one thing you can do as a parent. And when I say parent, of course, you might not have kids. The number one thing you can do to lead other people is to go first is to lead by example, to demonstrate telling people what they should do. And I'm saying this and I'm listening to it myself. (laughs) Telling my kids what they should do is different to showing them and going there first. And I think that's the biggest lesson, whether you're a parent, whether you're leading people in your career, in your business, that is it. If you go there first, people will follow your lead. Um, And I don't think you can... I I don't think you can take people or force people to go somewhere that you're you haven't been yourself or you're not willing to go there yourself. Um so I wanted to underline that. There was like loads of questions I wanted to ask in the eight minutes we've got left.
1: Yeah. Um I'll give you one-word answers. You know, doesn't You're
0: such a liar. You won't give me <laughs> one-word answers. Um we'll definitely do um volume two of this interview at some point. Um What's the one thing you think I need to improve up?
1: You know the answer. You already know the answer. Patience. Yeah. Because it's my greatest lesson as well. Of yeah. course, we're very, very alike. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're like two pieces of pot. We know that. Um, often we're together, you know, with the family or with people. And I know exactly what you're going to say before you've said it. And you probably feel the same as me you're impatient oh i mean i i've just read a book i've cried at the end of the plane coming back um have you ever read the monk who sold his ferrari no i, think I bought it you as well
0: you bought a no lot, lot of
1: books yeah i um, didn't
0: read most the monk
1: of them sold his ferrari. fantastic and i think I think the reason why I loved it, and I didn't read it until a couple of weeks, uh, sorry, a couple of years ago, um, and the sequel is what I've read on holiday with Nat with last week, um, is that it reminds me of what my life was like when I was in corporate, all about success, all about money, yeah. allowing, you know, allowing my time to be you know I think of the times actually just going back to the parenting thing when I think back you were incredible and I'm not saying look I'm not going to knock myself I'm not saying you didn't learn from sitting in a car on a motorway listening to me on the phone for like an hour talking to somebody about business right I'm not saying that wasn't helpful but I didn't give you the time and attention that I would suggest to people that they give to their children right um and The Monkey Sold Ferrari is really about a guy who's got all the success and all the things, but, like, he's, he's, he's not doing well health-wise. And I think that you are such a great example of putting yourself first in terms of knowing that if you concentrate on your health and energy and fitness and st- state, that everything will work better. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've learned that yourself. Many, this book is basically saying, like, no wonder his life was in a bad state. And as, as the title says, he decides to become a monk. Now, obviously, you know, obviously, you know Tony and I, Tony V and I, have done many, many esoteric bonkers things all over the world since we've talked since personal one. Um, but it really resounded with me to remind me that how if you put money first and not purpose values, people, all those things, which you are such a great example of. And I don't know how much people know about how, how few businesses there are. And I've been in big, big businesses who have got purpose, they've got missions, they've got values, and they are just on a piece of paper. They are not utilized. They're not talked about. They're not invested in in the way that you do you're so rare for this size of business to to be even doing it that alone doing it well and i know you know that and so then this this sequel book that i read is about the same thing but it's next level and it really helped me realize where my next level is you know and it is this openness to allowing the path to unfold whilst planning <laughs> what's the expression it's not it, it, it's not the planning that's important it's the planning process so yeah, yeah. so not so saying you don't oh, have plans a, are useless. Don't, yeah exactly so the
0: planning process yeah. is so
1: not to say you don't have a planning process not to say that you don't have dreams and goals but to allow your to allow yourself to experience it by not always having it all set out in front of you. So sort of long way of saying, patience. And the other thing I would say is uh, being open to what you don't know about yet. Mm. Like being open to what presents itself because my my experience is that if you, not that you're doing this, but so many people do, they live their life like this, and this is a safety thing. Mm. And even if they open it a bit, they go, Oh, I've got it now, a bit like the personal development. I'll just get the personal development and then I'm done. And I'll tell everybody else they need to go, but I won't develop it myself anymore. When we've got our eyes wide open, there is so much more that can be experienced. And that's where Tony V is my greatest teacher, because he's not got his eyes wide open. He's like he never goes to sleep, kind of thing. You know what? I mean? He 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 is so wants new and incredible experiences of life and he waits for them to present themselves as opposed to plans rather you know so for example we were supposed to be moving to Madeira in September the first is we're not going we're going to do more road trips because he just wants to explore the world and 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 I'm going you see even though I'm like him in so many ways, still part of me has got my upbringing, which is, you know, you get a nice house and a nice car and you you, 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 you know, you have your kids and you have nice holidays and everything. There's part of me that goes, oh, we could have just sat swimming in the swimming pool and had a nice glass of wine and everything. No, 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 no. And that's, that's why you're always I, a great teacher. Yeah, so, so patience, but also being open to what you don't know yet.
0: Nice. Right. Um, that's going to have to conclude episode one of this series, and <laughs> um, we're going to come up with a good name for this series, um, because all we've really covered is the the personal development journey, um, which was my first question, um, but there are many more that we want to dive into. Um, so, thank you, thanks for coming in and I've loved it. and sharing. I've
1: loved um, it. I think I, it should be. I think we should have a serious name, and then we should have. Dates and times are fluid.
0: Yeah, that'll be the strap line. Um, <laughs> no, sir. So, so, thanks. And um, and actually, because it's relevant to what we've spoken about, I think I'm very grateful. I say it a lot um, to the mastermind members, and I say it a lot on stage at events. But I don't actually say it to you. Um, and I'm very grateful that you're my mum, and thank you for encouraging me and going first in going into personal development and going first on the pole and going first in all these different areas and taking risks um and investing crazy amounts of money in me and my development and i'm very very lucky so thanks thank you
1: thank you for being um a great example because you taught me a lot too
0: that concludes episode one of <laughs>
1: it's
0: this like, series. It's like the um, um, series. And we'll be, <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> with more, I'm sure. Thanks. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love. Tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.